Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. You know the names, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. You know the show, Sports Spectacular, presented by IlliniGuys.com, just like she just said. Um, lots of Illini stuff to talk about. We're going to do a lot of things uh, here coming up, um, so so don't worry. we got you covered. I uh, want to give a big shout-out before we start, though, to the Illini women. Uh, they're going to play finish the season at Rutgers on Sunday. They hit 50,000 in home attendance, guys, and uh, and they did it for the first time ever under a first-year head coach. That's how rocking Shauna Green has this uh, program. Already 20 wins, and um, it appears that they're going to be, uh, you know, it looks like they've got the resume to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, pretty cool to see in their first year, especially in a program that had been such a uh, had struggled. I mean, <laughs> for lack of a, I mean, epically struggled. I mean, so this is a, this is a great start. Um, to the Shauna Green era, you, what you hope now is she can build on it and keep, you know, keep them at this level and, and, and even raise the bar a little bit. And, and, uh, but you know, there, this is, she has wildly exceeded any expectations that anybody could have put on what she would do in her first year. Yeah. And, and, you know, now she has the benefit of, of some of the best facilities in women's basketball because they're on, you know, near parity with uh, Illinois men's basketball. Um, what a great recruiting tool that will be. And, of course, she's got time to sell success on the court that didn't take her any, you know, a couple seasons to accomplish. So I would think a lot of people will be looking at her and this program in terms of talented players. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, Josh Whitman's already thinking – uh extension <laughs> race the self season that's another story another time all right you're probably wondering he's talking women why well let's get that out of the way for the big emotion that happened thursday night at state farm center um boy illinois um what a tale of two halves the first half looked like the a high school team might be able to score on it and win and the second half coming out huge uh in this just a, uh, on thursday night um illinois getting the win 66 62 uh what a f- performance by this team in the second half by by a number of players no question. I, I thought they were great um, in the second half. And they were as bad in the first half as they were great in the second half. Um, yeah, and I thought that this is a team that really it, – it's strange to see this. And, and um, I was actually talking to someone about this. And this is a team that when they shoot the ball well, then they guard. The past teams – and that happens a lot with, like, inexperienced teams, like younger teams and guys that maybe don't have as much experience. Last year, you had an Illinois team that always guarded, even if shots didn't go in. And so I think that's the difference. When shots go in, this team guards, and then they're really good. Shots don't go in, they don't guard either, and so they're not very good. And they make a lot of defensive miscues. So, But this was a huge win for Illinois. It puts them you know, right there in that 84-way tie for third place in the Big Ten now. <laughs> yeah, and it was an interesting game because I'm not certain that I've seen – much worse of a half of basketball by Illinois in the 50 years that I've been watching basketball. Um, 19 points at the half. The defense looked horrible. The offense looked horrible. I don't know if I could have picked which one looked worse. Um, And then finding a way to put the brakes on that and then reverse the thing and go 180 degrees in the other direction. Um, that's a degree of difficulty that I'd prefer the Illini not try to attempt anymore. Let's just win them easy and not worry about all this rallying stuff. 
Well, and and the DP looking to the numbers, it was even worse than that, Mike. They had fewer field goals, nine, than turnovers, ten, in the first half. And none of those field goals were from three. Oh, for 11. Um, and the announcers kept mentioning that they just fall in love with three-pointers, and they do. Um, it really, Boo Booey was a layup line. I mean, he had 22 points. He single-handedly outscored Illinois in the first half. Uh, but you turn to the second half, and then what a performance. Let's start with the freshman, Sincere Harris. Um, tied a career high with 24 minutes in this game. He came in at 12:01 in the second half, and Bowie did not score another field goal. Um, we, we, you know, Brad, you've talked before that what a defensive stopper he wants to be. He looked like that early in the season against some lesser competition. He really stepped up here um, and really, you know, gave Bowie fits. Let's just be honest. Yeah, he's learning. He's he's so long. You know, he's he's six four with a, probably I think it's a six nine or ten wingspan. And at the guard position, if you can do that, he's also an elite athlete. So he's got that quickness. He still needs to get a little stronger. But you know, when you've got a guy with that kind of length and quickness, he can be such a terror defensively. Once he learns how to not foul and not get himself out of position, and in the first half you saw him make a few defensive miscues, but he adjusts in the second half. He wasn't leaving Boo Booey. I mean, he was, you know, it's the old thing, uh, what color or what, what flavor of gum does he have? I want to know, you know, <laughs> at the end, like from Hoosiers, right? And that's what he did. And he did a fantastic job on him because Boo Booey was just electric, electric in that first half and the start of the second half. Yeah, and, and I thought, um, I really thought going to the five out on offense and, and having um, Coleman Hawkins on defense – at the five was huge because, you know, he doesn't, he can go out and, and kind of get closer to a hedge and the guards couldn't get right down the lane off of the picks anymore. Uh, Dane just isn't quick enough to pull that off. He's got to stay back. And then that gave that, that lack of being able to go right down the lane, you know, you couple that with sincere now being able to take a few more chances and he's playing better defense. Um, I thought that changed the game around tremendously. And on the offensive end, without Dane in the lane, there were areas for Terrence Shannon to drive down the lane or Coleman Hawkins or whomever, uh, Matt Meyer. And I thought that they just play a little better with that that set tonight. Well, and the two guys that Brad Underwood brought in to be alphas on this team, they were the alphas in the second half. Terrence Shannon Jr., 24 of his 26 points coming in the second half. Uh, Matthew Meyer also coming in big with the 16 points in this game uh, on Thursday night. And here's what's big. Those two combined to score 22 of Illinois' final 27 points. Only the, the Harris layup, um, and I believe you mentioned again the Hawkins uh, hitting a bucket as well in that in that run, I believe. Um, but they, they dominated. These two took over. Um, this was for a half. I think it was the team that I, I think I saw in, in Big Ten Network afterwards. One of the analysts might have been uh, you know Andy Katz or – Trent Beecham um, talking about that this for a half was the best Illinois has looked since UCLA and Brad, you were at that game in, in Las Vegas. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I totally agree. In fact, they looked like the team that beat UCLA or the team that closed out Texas early in the season. And that's what they look like. And the interesting thing about, for me about this, is you mentioned this, you know, we were, we were joking about Bowie outscoring Illinois in the first half. Do you realize Shannon only lost by one in the second half, 25 to 24. So wow. it was, a, I mean, it was, that's kind of amazing. Uh, you know, Meyer put up all 14 of his in the second half. It's crazy. I mean, when you think about that, those two guys had 38 points in the second half of the 47 by Illinois. 
Yeah, well, and and it was it was very interesting to watch. Um, you know, as the game went on, I thought Illinois got a few good calls at the end that maybe they haven't received. I thought Coleman Hawkins might have got away with a little bit of push at the top of the roughly the top of the key, the lane area um, on Bowie at the end, and he might have got some body later on, you know, underneath the basket. <clears throat> and Illinois got the benefit of the doubt. They haven't got that in a lot of games this year, uh, particularly on the road. And and also, I think it was uh, like 12-plus minutes in the first half before a foul was called on Illinois. I don't think in my entire lifetime that's ever happened, that Illinois has gone uh, 12 minutes into a game before the first foul was called. That, that usually it's 12 seconds. Isn't it crazy how the game's changed, too? Because when Illinois played at Northwestern, Northwestern shot 40 free throws. Right. And, and today they didn't foul for 12 minutes. <laughs> So, if you can figure it out, let me know. So go figure, go figure that exactly. It is, uh, it's, it's amazing. Hey, we're gonna talk, take a quick break, talk more about this game. Also, hear from uh, Brad Underwood as well. Stay with us, and uh, coming up a bit later on as well, Andy Katz joins us from BTN. We are thrilled to have him on the show. Stay with us here. This is a Sports Spectacular. When life isn't easy, you need healthcare that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. Right back here, and this reminder, as you know, Selection Sunday is a couple of weeks away, and that means the third annual Alana Guys Bracket Challenge is also just over two weeks away. $1,000 on the table. We do it every year, but you have to be a member of the Alana Guys to take part. It is free for all members. So look at it this way. You can either spend $10 in your office pool and sit and hope you win something, or you can spend $10.99, sign on to AlanaGuys.com, Get a chance to win $1,000 in a bracket and get all the insider info way before it ever hits the radio. Because this stuff, if you're if you're a member, this stuff we're talking about right now is like old news. I mean, it's like it happened days ago. So IlliniGuys.com, bracket challenge, 1000 bucks on the table. And uh, so you need, and plus all the inside info, follow both teams in the NCAA tournament. We will have reporters for both the men's NCAA tournament and the women's NCAA tournament. So there. You got to get here. Illiniguys.com. Sign up. Free seven-day trial to check it out. And then the bracket challenge come up a bit later. Uh, still talking Illinois. And the big win, 66-62 over Northwestern. Coming up a bit later in the hour, by the way, Andy Katz of Big Ten Network and NCA.com. And also Turner Sports is going to join us. Uh, he's a busy man, but he's going to take time for us. That's how cool we are. Um, so, Brad, this this big win. I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, what does this do for this team's confidence? They've been so up and down. Um, in in a last couple of last couple of weeks here, you know the tough loss at Iowa. Uh, Terrence Jackson Davis uh, owned him for a second time. He's having a field day in his final year without Kofi for once. Um, standing his way. Um, what does this do for their confidence going into these final three games and then into the postseason? Well, I think it's huge because it shows what they can be. I mean, Brad Underwood can can take and watch film on the first half of how not to play, and then he can take the second half and say. This is it. This is the way we play basketball for that last 12 minutes, especially when they really turned it on. And I think that's where 
you know, you, you got something positive to build on, and now you, you you have that confidence. You know what you can do, because it's really let's be honest. Even though they've they played had some good games, they haven't played this well since November when they were in Las Vegas. They probably that's probably the best game they've played since Las Vegas or maybe New York Madison Square Garden. So, in that second half, and so that's what you build on, and you say, look, this is what you can be, and if you play like this, you're gonna have a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, let me ask you a couple of questions, Brad. Had first off, masterful um, changes at halftime. Maybe you can go through those uh, so that some of the fans have an idea of what was done. And then the second question is: Have you ever seen anybody go from 0.61 points per possession to 1.4 in one half? <laughs> that's that's not normal. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it goes to the, – the points per possession goes back to the shooting. You shoot over 11 from three in the first half, and then you're seven for 13 in the second half. This is the kind of team, though, when they make threes, they're really good. I mean, it, and that's true for everyone, but this team is so bad sometimes shooting threes. Like, I mean, you look at seven for 24, it isn't that bad. If they'd have made three one half and four the other half, <laughs> you wouldn't have thought that way. But they go over 11, so they take it to the next level. But I thought Underwood made a couple adjustments. In the second half, they, they ran Northwestern off the line better. They forced them to play one-on-one and put the ball on the floor. And they, and they had better, did a better job helping around the rim, contesting those shots that, that uh, were being put up. I also thought his lineups were different. You know, you saw him go to more of a – Ty Rogers basically played point guard the entire second half. And, and, and then the other thing it did was allow them to rebound the ball a little better. And then on offense, they spaced the floor. They didn't play with Dane Danger. They didn't throw in the post because they were struggling so much with the Northwestern post traps. And Northwestern did a really good job forcing the post guy to get it low and also in the more in the corner almost and, and on the baseline so they didn't have anywhere to go and they could come with that post trap. So give them credit. But Illinois said, you know what, we're going to spread. We're going to go more five out, get away from our spread a little bit, and we're going to run more. Um, some handoffs, some ball screens, and, and attack that way uh, that rather than the way that we were in the first half, and it was obviously effective. Well, let's look ahead now to um, the, the postseason and, and for this team. Um, you know, three games coming up at Ohio State Sunday. That's a game that the way the Buckeyes have played, they should win that game. And then, you know, it's funny. When we looked at the schedule when it first came out, um, we looked at the two um, the two games at the end of the season, and here we are the way these teams are playing, they are crucial. Um, not for Illinois to get into the NCAA tournament. That's pretty much going to happen at this point. Um, but for seeding purposes, we've got a Michigan team in there um, that also won Thursday night. They've had all kinds of problems with injuries, and yet they found a way to be 10-7, and seven, winning at Rutgers, uh, one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten, if not the entire country. Um, and then they have to go to Purdue, uh, Michigan at home, and then Purdue. Um, and we know about what Purdue has done this year. So, But here they are. Um, They've got a shot now with this, their their biggest win of the season in conference. Most of their wins have come against the the lower part of the conference. Um, but now you go to this weekend and and you know, look, if you win two or three, that's fantastic. If you win all three, you're one of the teams that everyone's talking about um getting into conference tournament week. Yeah, you know, I, I think they can play themselves up into, you know, obviously they win all three. They're gonna be the probably be the two seed, to be honest. Thirteen and seven probably gets them the two seed in the Big yeah. Ten tournament. Uh, but I think if they went, they go two and one, they're twelve and eight. They're going to be in that jumbled mess to see whether they're the two, three, or four, and maybe a like eighty-four way tie again, you know. So, <laughs> um, and so we'll figure it out, tiebreakers, and you can sort that out later. 
But one thing I'll say is this team, if they can win two of three, I think they put themselves firmly on that six line because the quality wins they would have um, and their record against quad one, quad two. And, and I think that that gets them on the six line, which is a very um, – when I look at the three seeds in the NCAA tournament, I think that's a great place to be yeah. when you, if you can be on the six line. Now, they beat Purdue – win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, they could legit be a five seed. They could move up because you'd have another huge win. You'd have wins. Think about that. You'd have wins over UCLA, who might be a one seed, Purdue, who might be a one seed, and and Texas, who might be a two seed. I mean, who else has those kind of wins? I, I don't know that anybody does. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that would be a, a huge win for them, and, and maybe they slide up even more. You know, Brad, from a coaching standpoint, how do coaches prioritize their conference turns? Because, you know, you look at that and you like to hoist that trophy up and, you know, put that in everybody's face. I want it. At the same time, you come out late Sunday night and you could have a game Thursday and, and you know, have some tired legs from, from playing so much. How, how do they do that? You know, it was interesting. Two years ago, I felt like Illinois really wanted to win the Big Ten tournament because – they didn't get the Big Ten title because of the percentage points thing with Michigan. Last year, Illinois won the Big Ten. They get a share of the Big Ten title. I didn't. I thought Iowa really wanted to prove something because they lost that game that allowed Illinois to win the, and they did. But did either one of those teams make a run in the NCAA tournament? They didn't. So, I, I think there's something to be said for, you know, you're going to go out there and you compete the best you can, and try and win those games, but. Sometimes I think if you get to the semis and lose, you're not heartbroken. Gives you another day to rest and another day to get ready. But they're going to play. You're, you're playing to win. I mean, you know, anytime you can hang a banner and say we won the big turn, you want to win. But it's not to the level of, you know, winning the regular season conference or what you can do in the NCAA tournament. It's, it's that next. It's like, eh, cool. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. Next win for Illinois is their 20th uh, on the season. Again, Brad Underwood already the winningest coach in the Big Ten. Most wins over the past four years. Uh, and trying to add to that Sunday at Ohio State. And again, the Buckeyes losing again Thursday night. And um, boy, what a season uh, to forget. It has been in Columbus. Uh, rare, rare indeed uh, for the Buckeyes. Stay with us. We'll get uh, hear a little bit from Brad Underwood's uh, post-game news conference after the win over the Wildcats. In just a moment, this is the Sports Spectacular. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. 
Brad Underwood keeping Chris Collins, you know, Western coach, winless still in Champaign all time. He has never won uh, at State Farm Center. 66-62 is the final. Illinois getting the upset over the 21st ranked Northwestern Wildcats. Brad Underwood, the Illini coach, talking about this after the game. Sears always on. And, and, and I mean, he's, he's going to make a mistake. He's a freshman. And, you know, he, he and Terrence completely botched a, uh, you know, just a, just a simple back cut. And, um, and they made a three on it. But uh, um, he, he takes great, great pride in guarding that basketball. And uh, he goes, he and Jaden go at it every single day. And um, uh, tonight he elevated his teammates and he elevated us to a level that was uh, pretty doggone high. Brad, they had 40 free throws, made 32 up at Evanston. They only got 12 on the, at the shots at the line tonight. Do you think, did you differently on defense to minimize the foul? Or that's just kind of on court? Um, I hope it's growth because we fouled them a lot up there. I mean, they weren't, they deserved to be called. Um, we had a great crew tonight. Um, anytime you get Brian on a game, it's a league game, going to be called. And, but, um, yeah, I, I thought that they let us play, and um, you know we we just did a much better job of being in the right place, being at the right time, and and, and very attentive. Brandon, you think he had this in him, but to get Terrence back, and what did he show you in the second half besides just scoring? Yeah, that was UCLA Terrence. That was that was early season, and you know I, I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea pregame if he was going to play. Um, you know, everything in our protocols is about symptoms and reactions to to movement and and activity, and, and he was he was cleared. Um, you know, I, I usually don't start guys that have been out for a week or, or longer, um, and so he came off the bench. And and uh, but I, I thought his his defense on Chase was every bit as good as his offense. So uh, he's uh, you know, he's a, he's an all league caliber player, and and. Uh, he rose to that occasion tonight. We needed every point and, and, and every defensive effort. Derek? We know that TJ was working out with Tim before practice yesterday. What was he able to do prior to this game as far as what you saw from him? It's not very, very little. It's just a, it's a, and, and first of all, we didn't do hardly, what is, I don't even know what today is. Thursday. Tuesday, um, we didn't do, hardly do anything. Uh, coming off the Saturday, Monday, um, we did very little. It was more of film day. We actually just went to the court to walk through, and we shot uh, free throws. And um, Terrence had to go through a little more excruciating workout with on his own, um, and and to, to meet the protocol deals. So literally yesterday was kind of the the next step in that. Deal for him, so we had a, we had a, we had a good solid practice yesterday uh, that he went through. That was it. Andy, I guess you said you found out pregame that Terrence was playing. What was kind of your reaction to him coming back, and what was the process to kind of fold him into the game plan as quick as he did? Well, I knew I was gonna if he was cleared, I was gonna. And I was and I, I felt better about the opportunity since he got through yesterday's <coughs> practice and, and and was symptom free. But you know, then there's shoot around today and and uh, um, so I, I knew I was gonna bring him off the bench. Uh, and that was my feel. It was just literally, you know, I was going to play it by, you know, his conditioning, his activity, his, 
success rate, you know, and I felt great because RJ was coming off of, uh, you know, of, of, of a great game, and um, so I, I wasn't overly concerned either way. We were just going to kind of play by feel. Coach Bowie got a few early in the second half, but then made it a lot harder on harder on him down the stretch. What what change was made there? And was, was it a matter of just making him drive the ball and running him off the line? No, I mean, Sincere made the biggest difference. I mean, um, I think he had 32 with 14 to go, or close to it, inner Sincere. And uh, uh, Jaden gave up three, and, and um, uh, we made that change. And uh, he just settled in and just guarded him. And then, you know, playing small, we're able to lift a little bit our, our drop coverage. And, and then when there was problems, Coleman does an elite job of of, of what we call a late switch. And uh, he handled that very, very well, so it made it shoot over 610, 6'11. So we quit going under him. We keep, you know, we just simply couldn't get a three off. Scott. When Harris is able to get downhill, attack the basket like he did, what, what does that maybe do for your offense as a whole? Well, I think we have a 1.4 OER in Big Ten play uh, when the ball touches the pick. When it doesn't, I think it's 0.6. So Terrence is a is a sneaky good facilitator and passer, um, but he's also, you know, that guy who can draw fouls and he's big and strong and and uh, you know gets that thing to the to, to the rim and that's um, that helps us a lot and uh, he was able able to do that tonight. Yeah, I mean, there's a great amount of respect between Underwood and uh, Collins. You could definitely, you can hear that when those guys were talking. And and so I, I think they both, they have a great respect for the teams too. I mean, this is a really important win. You can tell Underwood's excited to win this game because it's not very often you win a game, you're down 18 at the half. Um, and so this is, this is kind of one of those things. And I think he's looking for it to springboard later on because they can learn a lot from this. They get the win. And there's so many teaching moments, both the negative and positive teaching moments here for them. Yeah, and, and look, Chris Collins has nothing to apologize for. That victory made Illinois in the in the total series. They're up 143 to 43. So they've got a hundred game differential. It's not really all on Chris Collins and he can't win in Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but boy, what a season he has had out there in Evanston. Take nothing away from that. Hey, uh, still to come here uh, after a quick timeout, we've got uh, much more to come uh, right here. Stay with us. This is David Williams, a leading receiver from the University of Illinois, here on Illini Guy on Sports Spectacular. Go Illini. Megan McEwen is a talented rising star in the broadcast world. She's doing her prep work right now to work as an analyst during the Big Ten Women's Tournament on BTN and during the NCAA Women's Tournament as well later in March. But the former Northwestern basketball player stopped by the Big Sports Radio syndicated show to talk some Big Ten hoops. Let's listen in. You know what's crazy? It's just the top four of the Big Ten are so good, but then even that next four out, yeah. which is where you're going to find the Illini, Michigan, Purdue, Nebraska, like they're really good teams too. But uh, to that point, you know, Indiana to me is the best team in the big league and could be the best team in the country. I watched that South Carolina LSU game a couple of weeks ago and it was on Super Bowl Sunday and just kind of watching the way South Carolina plays and they just dismantled LSU. I was kind of like Indiana is the only team in my mind. I think that could, 
compete with South Carolina from the standpoint of they still have that power on the inside with Mackenzie Holmes, who can match up against Leah Boston. I think the guards of Indiana, they're so big from the standpoint of like height wise and they're quick. So I think that they can keep up with South Carolina's guards. So to me, just Indiana has so much depth and they've got six different players that average nine points or more on their roster right now. So it's just so well balanced. They have veteran experience. They are what's scary is, you know, I got to be on the call for the game where they clinched a share of the big 10 title this past weekend against Purdue and uh, interviewing Mackenzie Holmes and Grace Berger after they were like, I mean, like, yeah, this is cool. But like the way they approached it, like was they had unfinished business. This is just the beginning of what they had planned. Like it's a little scary to see their mindset mindset for everybody else out there just because this is a determined team. I think that truly has a shot at getting to a final four. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think that um, it's a veteran team. Um, What a big year, Um, you know, coach becoming the all-time winningest coach in program history this year. That's big for Indiana. Um, you know, and I think too, what they did to the other night to, uh, uh, well, they beat Purdue and I, was it the Iowa, Michigan? was it Michigan? It was at Iowa last week and they played Iowa as well. Yeah. They, they just destroyed them. I mean, it's just, they destroyed them. yeah, they're just on a, they're at a juggernaut right there. Um, mm-hmm. I know that watching earlier, um, Illinois play, uh, at Indiana and played them tight loss. Yeah. Years. Twice. They played them t- pretty tight twice. Yeah. Both times, yeah. The second time, uh, you know, I was a big fan of, of Kendall Bossings and the former Michigan state player who transferred mm-hmm. in and been the big 10 leader in rebounding the past couple of years, how much she learned and, and she learned from game one, how she defended Holmes in game two still came up, had some foul trouble and, and Indiana, a you know, better team. They, they pulled away, but was impressed with what this team has done. And we were talking in the break here about Shauna green, um, someone who, you know, as I said, if she doesn't get a national coach of the year award from somebody at the end of the year, it's a travesty. What yeah. it has been over the years, it's been really, really not very good. They have a chance to to get to the the school record of twenty four wins in her first season. They won seven games last year. You know what's crazy is that one, this is the biggest surprise in college basketball. But two, like to your point, like she one hundred percent deserves to be in the conversations for national coach of the year awards. Um, it's hard too when you have like there's so many great candidates in the Big Ten right now. Like with Terry Warren just winning, you know a big 10 title being second in the nation. Like that's going to be her toughest competition. Um, But what Shauna Green has done so quickly. I mean, when I tell you Illinois was bad, like you got your schedule at the beginning of the year and you hoped that the big 10 gave you them twice because that meant two automatic W's. Right. Seriously. It it was unbelievable how, how bad they were. And credit Shauna Green. Like I had no idea how long it was going to take. Cause you know, you think about rebuilds, and that's going to be like, you know, at least four years for coaches to get some players in, to get their kids, get their system implemented. And she was able to really utilize the transfer portal. And, you know, obviously she took Makaira Cook and Bryn Pill from Dayton with her, who understood her and her system. And to have a point guard who understands you as a head coach is so important, uh, especially if you want to get quick results. But then, you know, she added Genesis Bryant from NC State, who is – uh, look, she might have been on the bench at NC State, but she's a power five kid that's going to be really impactful depending on the situation she gets into. And then Adalia McKenzie was always good. You know, she had a, she had a good season last year. She's on a bad team. Um, but she has just kind of blossomed under Coach Green and has really found some confidence. And, I, you know, a lot of – there's so much pride right now with this Illinois team. And I've had the opportunity to cover them quite a bit this season – and they just, they have great chemistry. Like the vibe and shoot arounds are always, it's positive. It's fun. It's energetic. It's just a complete 180 
from a year ago and credit what Sean has been able to do and just implementing, you know, a defensive intensity. There's a swagger about this team now, and they really believe that they can compete with anybody in the Big Ten, and they can. That's Megan McEwen on Big Sports Radio. You can hear her on BTN and on ESPN as part of the in-house broadcast teams as we tip off the postseason. Big Ten Network, Turner Sports, and NCAA.com analyst Andy Katz joins us next all along the Illini Guys Radio Network. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and is much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Well, he is everywhere, and this time of year, uh, we're thankful for that. He's Big Ten Network. He's NCAA. Uh, he's Turner Sports. Uh, he's Andy Katz. Um, he is uh, one of the gurus, one of the gurus of college basketball, and he joins us uh, here for the first time. Andy, great to see you. Thanks again for, for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, let's talk first. We did see you Thursday night uh, with that Illinois Northwestern game, and we were talking about just a, what a a tale of two halves in this. Illinois had to have this this win to try to stay alive for a double bye, and let's face it, with the games coming up, maybe stay above five hundred come the end of the season in the Big Ten. A uh, big performance by them in the second half. Yeah, it really, as, as Brad Underwood said after the game, a tale of two halves. I think the biggest positive here is that Terrence Shannon would miss the last couple of games with concussion protocols. And as we've seen over the years, I mean, no two concussions are the same. You never know how a guy's going to come back. I mean, just take Illinois. Andre Cabello was really out for a significant amount of time last year with a concussion. Um, so you never know. And he didn't practice much, but he's ready to go, got cleared. And was a little shaky early, which is understandable. And then he was just on fire in the second half. Uh, and for Illinois to reach its potential, they need Terrence Shannon to be that go-to guy. I mean, we know this in the NCAA tournament and the Big Ten tournament. It's a player that can carry you. And that's why, you know, Zach Eady, even though he's a big, he can do it. Trace Jackson Davis, same deal. Um, I think Boo Booey certainly can do that for Northwestern. Jameer Young for Maryland. And Terrence Shannon certainly can do that for Illinois. Um, you're right. They have a very tough schedule. Still got to play Purdue. Uh, but this was a, I wouldn't say a must win, but a really uh, reset win for them, uh, for them to play to their potential. And, you know, I would imagine that the United Center will have a huge pro-Illinois 
following. Uh, and, you know, so they have a great shot, obviously, in Chicago, regardless of where they fall on the seed line. And then we'll see in the NCAA tournament, but this team has never, this season, has never reached its potential. Maybe it won't ever reach its potential, but it now has a chance, I think. Andy, you look at the Big Ten as a whole, and have you ever seen a conference that is this jumbled? Like, we go from, like, day-to-day almost trying to figure out who's number two behind Purdue in, in this conference, and it goes all the way down. When you look at this, you go all the way down to Wisconsin, who's eight and nine, and you get up to Northwestern at 11 and six. I mean, they're, they're not, there's not a great separation between like 11th place and second place in the Big Ten right now. You ever seen a conference like that? I have not. And I would actually include, uh, you know, Penn State and Nebraska. Nebraska's seven and 10. They've been playing really well of late. You know, it's crazy. There are literally only two teams right now Minnesota and believe it or not, Ohio State, uh, who have no chance for postseason. So you've got 12 of the 14 schools heading into the final week and after the season that have a chance for postseason um, because Nebraska certainly could be in the NIT. Uh, you know, there, there's no question that that the I, I think it's good parity. Um, and, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, the Northwestern fans are long suffering sort of fall in line with Cub fans before the Cubs finally won a World Series. And I have so many friends, obviously, that went to Northwestern and they're, you know, chicken little skies falling. I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down. You know, you just won three home games that normal Northwestern teams never win. Purdue, Indiana and Iowa already won at Indiana, already won at Michigan State, already won at Wisconsin. So you have sweeps of Indiana, sweeps of Wisconsin. They're fine. This was, yes, they gave up a lead against a desperate Illinois. Yes, they got to go to Maryland. But that's life in this Big Ten. Like it's not every team in the league, including Purdue, has had a mini slide. Uh, because that's how competitive this league is this season. Now, will, will it translate to the NCAA tournament? We'll see. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of seeds from 5 to 11. You know, I think that's where the, the, the chunk of the Big Ten seeds are going to be. So, Andy, you 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 hear year in and year out, and you see fans across the country, well, the Big Ten's going to fall on their face when it gets to the NCAAs. And, and they haven't had maybe as much success in the last couple of years as what you would like to have. What do you think, is there a magic bullet or a, a reason that you think the, the Big Ten has struggled a little bit in the NCAA in your eyes? Well, well first of all, it is a recent phenomenon. I mean, people forget, uh, and I'm old enough to remember, that <laughs> they played for a lot of championships and had a ton of Final Four appearances. You know, you could argue that I, you know, I think Wisconsin was the best team in the 14 and 15 Final Fours, didn't win either one. Michigan played for two Final Four titles in 13 and in uh, 18, if I've got my years right. Right. And, you know, obviously Illinois in 05, Michigan State in 09. Um, They've had multiple opportunities. I think Purdue was the best team in 19, but... Mohamed Diakate hit that crazy shot to tie that Virginia game in Louisville and, and, and they won in overtime. So they've had opportunities. I do think a lot of it has to do with guard play. And that's why I have a feeling this could be different because I just rattle off for you, you know, with some of these teams, exceptional guard play, um, you know, with obviously Northwestern, Illinois, Maryland, for sure. They are led by guards. Now, Indiana, while I said TJD, um, Jalen Hood Shafino is a pro. I mean, he's a first round pick. 
and he can go for 30 on you. And, and I'll give you another one. If they get in, big if. But if they get in, I think Penn State can win games, you know, with Jalen Pickett because he's a tough matchup. Now, Purdue is the X factor here because they've got something that no one else has, and that's Zach Eady. Um, if, big if, again, if Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, you know, uh, as freshmen, but they have the potential to play, you know, at a higher level, and they have at times. But, you know, it's a little shaky going in uh, with freshman guards to lead you, but we'll see. But I do think that guard play has really been an issue for a lot of these Big Tens most recently. It's a great point. Talking with Andy Katz, again, a Big Ten network. He's also with uh, with NCAA and 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 all the March Madness stuff. It's so great to fund what you do with the, the power rankings and everything. And, of course, with Turner Sports as well. Uh, talk bigger stage as well. We have so many storylines going in. Um, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from selection Sunday. Usually by now you can kind of begin to think the top four, the top, the four number one seeds have kind of firmed up. Are we there yet? Or is there a team that maybe right now is sitting on the outside looking in that you think still has a shot at, at getting that number one seed? I think it's UCLA. Um, as we're speaking, uh, I hope they did win. Uh, they were, they were at a, had a lead against Utah that was shrinking. Uh, if, if they did prevail, don't have it in front of me, um, then, uh, you know, I think UCLA is that one other team among the four from the top 16 reveal that we saw from from the NCAA tournament uh, selection committee that, um, you know, they could get in there. I think UCLA still has to beat Arizona. You know, if they can do that on that last day of the regular season, they're going to be right there. You know, who could fall off the one line? Houston still could. Because they're in the American, uh, they play Memphis one more time at Memphis. They can play them a third time in the in the American tournament. Um, you know they don't have the great resume; they just have a great record. So I wouldn't be shocked if Houston got knocked off. That I think Kansas is a lock for one of the ones. Um, you know Alabama obviously winning the SEC. Uh, although you know we'll see. It's interesting with Alabama as good as their overall re- resume is. As crazy as it sounds, Texas A&M actually could still win the SEC because they play Alabama at home and they're a game back. And then if Alabama doesn't win the SEC tournament, so that spot certainly could open up. You know, if for some reason Purdue fell flat, maybe. But I think we're talking about those five schools with UCLA being the fifth. Four of the five will get the ones. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you look at that. Is there a... I, I I look at this tournament as being so wide open, maybe more wide open than any tournament we've seen, though. Even though we have these ones at the, you know, the ones of top five, I, I the two line and three line and four line are so even. I mean, and they just change from day to day almost. And it's almost like uh, the, the whole NCAA, it, we, we just wait from day to day to see who's going to slide up or down. Yeah, and that's why it'll be interesting because – um, the first weekend, I think we're going to have a ton of seed upsets. But, you know, I'll be really interested to see how Vegas handles this because I know that sort of apparently that that is the unofficial determination of an upset um, because I think we could definitely have um, some games in the first round and the second round where the lower seed, yeah, the lower seed, <laughs> maybe favored over the higher seed. Hmm. Um, and so that might be not, you know, like a 7-10 game. Right. For example, let's say the 7 was Michigan State and the 10 is Kentucky. 
you know, if Kentucky beats Michigan State in a 7-10 game, which that could happen, right. like those seeds and that matchup, um, to me that wouldn't be an upset. I mean, look at the talent on the floor. Right. But they're going to be seeded to their record, not their talent. So, um, you know, it will be interesting how things are worded, uh, you know, on the broadcasts and how they, they say it. Because I think we're going to have a lot of double-digit seeds win um, in the first two weekend, in the first weekend, you know, when you're looking at doing your own, you know, rankings and stuff, how do you do that? Do you look at the record? Do you look at like what you see as the talent? How do you balance that when, when you're actually doing this? So look, I'm, I do it a little differently. I mean, everyone, you know, it's all subjective. I like to do my rankings because I also do a bracket for NCA. I view the bracket as like the, you know, the seeds, the body work and all that. My rankings, I look at a snapshot in time. Who's playing well? And that's why, because I go to 36, I'll include some teams like Hofstra, like Toledo, um, give some love around the country. You know, and I do that within the NCAA. Uh, you know, are they the 31st best team? Are they better than, you know, some of the other teams in, in a power league? No. But have they won 11 in a row or 12 in a row or, are they playing better at this moment in time? Yes. Um, you know, like I would get a lot of flack from UConn fans this season because there were times where I wasn't ranking UConn, but in our bracket, yeah, I had UConn is like a five or six because UConn had all these great wins early and they've got a good, the metrics are all great for them. But by the way, they were in fifth place in the Big East at five and six. So, you know, to me, you know, they didn't deserve to be ranked in the top 25 during those weeks when they were struggling in conference. Seeding, all that, they were fine. But ranking, no. I, you know, to me, it's, you know, are you playing well right now? You should be ranked. I think that's a great point. And, Andy, I'll be honest, not trying to, to butter you up. We've we've known each other for too long. I wouldn't do that. Um, but I really – that's why I really like your your the power 36, the power rankings you do. And I'm, I'm not trying to rip on anybody else. I'm just going to be honest. You're the, you're the one guy who I think actually does look at all the teams around the country when you put this together. Um, you and I both know there's a lot of East Coast bias. Um, I've joked with someone, I won't say his name, who's a colleague of ours, um, who went to an ACC school and, and he's made his, you know, made his way through uh, you know, our industry, um, that I joke that he doesn't know the Big Ten. And, and there was one year in 2005, actually, every single game he picked Michigan State to lose. And they get to the final four. And I saw him in St. Louis and I said, don't tell me. Michigan State's losing tonight, right? I mean, it was it was because, but honestly, to be fair, he he didn't know. He knew he knew ACC, he knew, he knew Big East, and that's the one. I know you've got a Big Ten background, but that's the one thing that I do feel that when when you go through, you do look at Pac-12. I mean, you already mentioned UCLA. You do look at obviously Big Ten with your background and what you do with BTN, with Big Twelve, with with all those, and I think that's what really separates you um, the way you go about things. Um, I'll stop there and let you comment. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, but you know. Not everyone, like, especially on social media and Twitter, you know, context <laughs> matters, nuance matters. People don't read into the nuances of all these things. Um, you know, like, for example, uh, you know, Northwestern was a good example. Like, that would have been atrocious had they not been ranked yeah. uh, this past week. They just beat at home, you know, Purdue, Indiana, and Iowa in a row. Yeah. And I was glad they came in at 21. But... You know, they easily, based on the way other people look at things, they may not have been ranked. Yeah. 
you know, um, but they were deserve they were deserving of it, and they got it, and that's great. Um, at a time when Rutgers was playing well, they were ranked, which is what was deserving. So, um, you know, like with the, your your point, uh, you were talking uh, uh, about the Big Twelve. I, I think you were saying that you know about that two line or the three line. Like, there's so many Big Twelve schools, it's so hard to differentiate because they're just beating each other. We know they're all good. You know, those top eight of the seven or eight of the Big Twelve, and they're all going to get in. And you know, um, I think it's going to be interesting with the Big Twelve and the Big Ten how those schools handle when they get in the NCAA tournament after being so scouted by everybody, how they handle, um, you know, sort of just freed of that, freed of getting out of, uh, of the stress of being over-scouted uh, for the last two months. So Northwestern would probably be considered the biggest surprise in the Big Ten. I mean, I don't think anybody expected them to be in second place at this point. Who's been the disappointment for you in, in the Big Ten this far? I mean, look, there's no question it's Ohio State. I mean, I saw Ohio State multiple games in a row in December, and I, I mean, maybe in the off season, I can get a hold of Chris and he'll break it all down as to really what happened. But I, I'm just sort of perplexed by the whole thing because I was at the Garden for that great game against Carolina. Um, you know, they played well against Duke out in Maui. They didn't win, but they played well. Uh, I did one of their games in Columbus. Like, I just don't understand, you know, that they're in 13th place and they've lost 12 to 13. It's just, it's mind boggling. I just don't get it. The other question that, that a lot of Big Ten fans have is, is how do you peg a team like Michigan with a ton of physical talent, but you sometimes they just don't seem to put it together, but Lord knows you don't want to be on the other side of the court when they are all clicking. You know, Michigan feels like a classic team that, like, I could easily see them getting to Dayton in a first four and then getting the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Like, they had a great win against Rutgers on Thursday night. You know, they beat Michigan State, obviously, on Saturday. Um, they still have a very tough schedule on the back end here in the last week and a half. But, they, you know, and by the way, they beat Rutgers on the road without Jed Howard. He was not, he was hurt. So, um if those freshman guards, you know, Kobe uh, Bufkin and McDaniel continue to play well, Joey Baker, and then when Howard comes back, um, they've got a lot of talent. Uh, there's no question that they've got enough talent to win some – like, I will not be shocked if they're in the semis in the Big Ten tournament at all. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Hey, we've kept you way too long. Um, in, in, in 30 seconds, how do you keep track of March with all the jobs and all the responsibilities you have? Do you ever sleep at all from this point until April? Uh, I do not sleep as well in March, but I will say that's the good news is when I get to March, I'm all NCAA Turner, uh, a couple of cameos on BTN, but at least can lock in on, on one job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, we, uh, we love this time of year and we love what you bring and we really appreciate your time, uh, here on the show and hopefully we'll get you to talk to you again soon. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. Andy Katz joining us again. He is a big 10 network Turner sports. He's NCA as well. And again, like you said, we have tremendous respect uh, for what he does for college basketball. And one of the guys we go to, especially this time of year, stay with us. We'll pay some bills and we'll do uh, a lot more talking, but without the expert Andy, because he's got better things to do than hang out with us. All right. More after this. 
Hey, this is Tim Sinclair, public address voice of the Chicago Bulls and Fighting Illini Basketball, and you're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Oh, lots to talk about, as always, uh, here on the show. Uh, the Pac-12, you know, look, we, we talk about Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports a lot because he's really one of our, our favorite writers and uh, friend of the show he's been on several times. But he does have so many um, – uh, he really has his – it feels like – it seems like he has his finger on the pulse of things in college sports. Loved a recent article in the past few days about um, what if the Pac-12 breaks up and 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 ceases to exist. And it's an angle that we haven't talked about. We've talked about the Pac-12, what happens, will more teams leave, will they go to the Big Ten or the Big 12, and or some wind up in the Mountain West, and, and how's it going to look? Um, and who they, might they bring in? Might they bring in San Diego State or SMU? Here's an angle that what if they actually break up? And it sounds like, you know, that's an option that may be on the table because they're not going to get the kind of media rights deal financially that the other other conferences are getting. Yeah, it all comes down to money. And if you aren't sustainable, because I'm not trying to be mean here, but some of the teams that when are adding San Diego State, SMU, whoever, that's not going to move the needle. That doesn't change anything. You're not getting more revenue. You're actually getting less revenue. You're going to split up less money. So, yeah, I think these guys are looking for other options, and, and who can blame them? Yeah, it, it, this is this is a fascinating subject to me, and and I really wonder, you know, if this collapses, you know, the restructuring of of you know the Big Ten may be there to sweep in and grab a couple, um, but I, I'm trying to think this this may be a bigger change because it'll affect other conferences, you know, even than the Big Ten and the SEC by swiping a couple teams. Um, this would be a total fracturing of the landscape. Well, here's how here's here's how big the chasm is between the Big Ten and the SEC and the other conferences already, right? I mean, Texas, Oklahoma haven't left the Big 12 for the SEC yet. USC, UCLA haven't left the Pac-12 for the Big Ten yet. All that happens in 2024. Uh, but here's how big the chasm is right now. Of the top 15 paid football coaches for the 2023 season, six are in the Big Ten, six are in the SEC, two in the ACC, and one in the Pac-12, Lincoln Riley, who is going to be in the Big Ten um, in 2024. I mean, so that's before this big money takes over, these big new contracts. If that's happening now, what's it going to look like in, in three or four years? Chaos. Anarchy. Yeah. I, I don't even know. It's going to be It's going to be wild. I, I will say this. I feel like you can't – I mean, th- there's teams out there and – they're going to – was it Maryland, I think, with the Big Ten signed like a, a deal when they went in, like a six-year delay on getting full and membership. Rutgers. They got like half – you know, Rutgers, same thing. They got like half shares into, up until that time. I think you'll see that. Come on, it's because long-term, that's big money for them. And the half share of the Big Ten is more than they would get in the Pac-12. Almost anyway. double. Yeah. 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 So so it's a – you know, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer for everybody involved and – and I know sometimes the chancellors don't want to sp- split money in the Big Ten, but um, this is too good an opportunity, especially because some streaming service is going to jump up, whether it's Amazon Prime or Apple TV or something like that is going to jump up and take some games and give them some more money. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And, of course, Amazon's model is to kind of have, you know, like one game of the week, kind of a big thing. Um, you know, they're not like Apple, who's going deep, deep, deep into baseball to get the baseball folks you know, what they want, um, you know, Amazon's more of the big, big picture. 
And if they could come in and grab a night game when, no, when there's very little competition, especially when it's new with the new Big Ten, um, that fits what they how they like to operate from a programming standpoint. Yeah, and Apple, there has been some talk that Apple is uh, coming in with some conversations with the Pac-12 possibly, but again, that streaming uh, deal is not going to come anywhere close to um, the 80, 90 million per year that Big Ten schools and SEC schools are going to be getting. You're still talking, I mean, at best, at best, 30 million. Um, and even that's a stretch to get that. So uh, interesting to talk about that. Um, meanwhile, in Florida, a bill being introduced that would outlaw um, fans storming the courts and, and fields after games, um, given they're saying it's a safety risk. And I, and I get that. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on that. Good thing or bad thing? Well, as I yell at the cloud, as I'm the old man <laughs> yelling at the cloud, no, I I do get why they would do this, but I, I would say the one thing I would say is that the only thing, the court storm, I it was the other day Purdue was playing and they lost the, Maryland. I think it was at Maryland. And Maryland allowed Purdue to get off the court before they stormed the court. I think that makes sense when that's possible. The other thing is I don't think taking down the goalposts is something that should happen. I, I think that's something we shouldn't do. But rushing the field, I think, is just – it's college sports. That's what makes it great. And I know that there's danger. There's danger in everything. All those idiot college kids driving out of the parking lot, also dangerous. So, I, you know, it's, it's part of it. And college kids need to have fun. I mean, I, I'm all for it. Just do the best you can to make it safe for the players, and, and let's go. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at this and, and you know, they, they've got to have those those moments that are just, you know, once, once maybe, you know, once in every few years, not very often. Um, certainly, you know, Northwestern storming a court the first time they've ever beat a number one team in the history of their school. I mean, that, that's okay. Um, and, and I was on the field during the, the 1983 you know, season with Illinois when there was there was that going on, um, and and so th- there's some special moments that I think you can do that, um, and and I just don't know that it's not old people who you know they don't remember what it's like to be young anymore, and so they're going to stop those darn kids, even though they would have been one of those darn kids. Twenty first century version of you. Kids, get off my field yeah. <laughs> of the school that I went to 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I mean, I think that it's a little, first off, if you've got 10,000 kids or in basketball, 3,000 kids on the court, how, how are you going to arrest them? And how can you arrest these kids, but not those because you can get to them? I think it's a little difficult. I think that the fines that conferences have in place of finding the school um, is a bit of a, a detriment there. If you one time it's a fine, the next time you, it gets, every time the penalty gets, gets richer and richer. Um, but to actually criminalize this, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I'm kind of with you guys, but again, I'm an old man screaming at, you know, at the, at the TV screen. So, um, Hey, let's shift gears a little bit. The TV screen that was not on the NBA all-star game was mine. No interest. And clearly I wasn't alone. Lowest rated NBA all-star game ever. So all the tweaking that they did to try to gain interest has backfired. And now where do you go from here? It, you know, these guys are ridiculously talented players. I'm not never question that. They're so good at basketball. But watching guys pull up from 50 feet repeatedly isn't entertaining. I mean, I if I wanted to watch guys do that, I can go down to the local 
uh, you know, to my gym at the high school and I can watch people, I can watch kids throw balls at the basket and yeah, they made some, but it's just not a game. I mean, it's not a game and I get it in, you're having it in the middle of the season. It's not going to be ultra competitive because of that. And, and the whole mindset of these guys is different than it was back when it used to be fairly competitive, but, uh, you know, major league baseball with the all-star game had to make it competitive by was the, the winning team gets home court or home field advantage right. in the world series. You think they'd play a little different if we had East West and they were playing for that? Maybe they would. Well, you don't uh, even have East West anymore, guys. You don't even no, have you don't. East West. Now it's team LeBron, team Giannis, and they're going to pick guys at some point. And I mean, I, I, I don't know who's on what team and Mike, go ahead. No, I just, I hate to say this, but, the NFL and the NBA All-Star game, they need to to fade away into the what used to happen category. And I don't know if you need something. Maybe, maybe you know, you <clears throat> give your players a break and give them a week and tell them to make sure that, you know, if you went to college, you know, be it your, you know, make sure you're all over the at the bleachers there and on camera and raising the profile of the NBA that way. I don't know. What was it? Was it, what was worse? The pro bowl or the NBA all-star game? They were both epically bad. And I, mean, I didn't, I, I didn't watch either because it, I had no interest. <laughs> I mean, you know, and we look, we're sports addicts and we can't get up the urge to watch no. these. You know, that's that's pretty pathetic. I, I watched a 20 year old movie I've seen 10 times that night. I, I literally I pull I, I watched Van Wilder instead of watching that. I'm not kidding. Wow. Um, that's that's that was the little adventures I had in the Pro Bowl. Um, you know, but I, I think I give the NFL at least I give them credit for at Try. least trying something new. And I think that's the NBA ditch the game. Uh, go to a more of a skills thing and show all the celebrities and everyone, you know, in their swag and the stands and ooing and awing and whatever and do that. I mean, the best part of the week, it was Mac McClung. I hated that. I missed that. I'm like, I would have, I would have liked to have seen those live. It was so interesting. But even then I've kind of gotten to the point that I don't even watch that anymore. So, uh, so we did were- you, by the way, Larry, did you like those, uh, those croissants that I sent you? Uh, the croissants, they're actually still on the counter. Um, maybe I shouldn't eat those. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, but, maybe not. But, but Brad, the presentation was outstanding. So that's that's there, what we're going for. Yeah. Uh, write that down. Um, okay. We'll take a break. Much more coming up after this. Stay with us. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Nobody covers the Fighting Illini women's basketball team like IlliniGuys.com. More than once this season, the Illini guys have been the only Illinois media in the house. Post-game reports after every game, feature stories, recruiting updates, interviews, and exclusive one-on-ones with the Illini gal herself, sophomore star guard Adalia McKenzie. It's been an historic season for the Illini and head coach Shauna Green, and we're there every step of the way to the postseason and beyond. Sign up today at IlliniGuys.com. Talking a little Illini women's now, 20-win season already, and uh, the first time they've done that since 2008. Tough way to finish out the home schedule on Wednesday, 90-57 loss to Nebraska, but let's be fair to Illinois. 
um, without two of the key players. Starter Bryn Shoop Hill uh, out there with a, a walking boots. She didn't play. Jayla Odin with a cast on her right hand. It appears that she may be out for the season. Um, this is not a, a terribly deep team to begin with, and it just seemed like, you know, boy, the team really scrapped, and, and it was 30-all uh, halfway through the second quarter, and th- then things just uh, they just fell apart from there. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, they didn't didn't have a good night shooting, um, and Nebraska made a lot. Uh, Nebraska also really used their size advantage um, against Illinois down in the paint, so it made it tough. I, I don't, you know, it, but it doesn't diminish what they've done. You know, obviously this is a team that, you know, doesn't have a lot of depth, so they don't have a large margin for error, and when you lose two of your, what I would probably call their top six, um, that, that hurts, and, and that makes it tough, uh, especially against, you know, in the Big Ten, where five of the top 12 teams are in the Big Ten in the country. And then you throw in another. Illinois also was in the top 25. And Nebraska, they, you know, somebody said, well, they're only one game over 500. But that's a really good team. That's a team that had high expectations, won 24 games a year ago. So this is not – they're a good team. You know, their last – somebody said they lost four in a row, too. Well, they've lost to, like, teams ranked in the top 25. So this is not a – those aren't bad losses. It's just the way it goes right now when Illinois is a little bit thin uh, with the injuries. Yeah, and, and Nebraska had some motivation losing to Illinois just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and when you have a team that's bigger than you and they also shoot better than you on a given night – um, that puts the degree of difficulty for a victory uh, very high. And then a couple injuries on top of it all it just, you know, was a confluence of a lot of uh, bad things for the Illini women tonight or uh, Illini women. Yeah. Tough. Uh, certainly it's a, a tough night. Nebraska shots going in 58%. It was actually higher than that before uh, the reserves came in. And Illinois did not. The top three leading scorers combining uh, shoot 43% from the field, just 28% in this one. Just it was a, a you know perfect storm, if you will. Uh, so they finished the season Sunday at Rutgers. The next time that we talk to the Illini Gala, Adalia McKenzie, they will be in Minneapolis, already securing a first-round bye for the Big Ten tournament at a breakthrough season. Ten wins already going into the weekend uh, in the uh, Big Ten play, and uh, that is their most since 2000. So, And by the way, Three Illini women named uh, District All-America, Gia Lopez, uh, Kendall Bostic, and the Illini gal herself, Adaya McKenzie. And here she is right now. Guys, let's let's give her a hand. Adaya McKenzie, keeping up those grades. She gets those dubs, and she gets those A's, too. Congratulations, Adaya. Thank you so much. How's it it feel to be uh, 20-win season, 10 wins in the Big Ten, and you're also, uh, you're really smart. (laughs) Uh, it feels great, you know. It's always good when you do good in school and on the course. I call it like a double whammy. So <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I, you know, Adalia, does it, you know, when you kind of get the 20 win mark, did that kind of give you a little bit of a uh, kind of a feeling of accomplishment to get that 20 win season? How, how'd that make you guys feel? Yeah, it makes us feel good, you know. It's a good accomplishment. And I don't know, like, that, Everything that we do, like it's all working toward our goals, and not to, not that like twenty wins was a specific goal, but like winning is our main goal, and for us to just get twenty wins is just really huge, and we really like are grateful for that. You know, uh, obviously injuries happen to every team, and um, now it's uh, Illinois' turn to kind of uh, fight through that. Um, what are you guys going to do to circle the wagons and 
you know, get some energy and some initiative back. Yeah, honestly, we know it's all mental now for everybody. <clears throat> like, knowing that we have two of our starters or two of our, one of our best players that are out, like, we know it everyone's going to have to step up. Everybody's going to have to rise. And it's just no excuse. You know, like everybody in the country right now is tired. You know, everybody is dealing with something, but we just see it as an opportunity where we can just rise as a team. Such an incredible season. And um, we talked with uh, Megan uh, McCune of the Big Ten Network as well. She was singing your praises and said, hey, listen, don't tell folks, but I'm a big fan of what Illinois is doing right now. Um, what does it mean to begin to get this attention um, and get the respect, not just from other teams, but, but other experts around the country. It feels good. You know, that's something that we were working towards too, like earning that respect. You know, last year we weren't the best and we didn't have any respect, but just gaining that respect, it just means a lot, you know, and we want to be respected and we want to continue to gain that respect. So Adalia, as you guys uh, head into the last game of the uh, regular season at Rutgers, you guys obviously that's a it's a road game, but it's a game that you guys you know can win if you play well. And, and you you look at this the the potential for the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. How how do you keep focused on the game in front of you, knowing that there's so much more out there on the horizon? Yeah, we know every game matters and every win matters and. We just see this game as opportunity. Like, we know we need this one. We want it bad, you know, especially coming off our loss to Nebraska. We're just using it to fuel us. And I think we always do a great job of bouncing back. So getting this win is really critical. And we understand that. We're just ready to go out there and get it. And now I'm going to switch the, the subject on you a little bit here. You got all this basketball coming up. Um, how do you manage to keep up with all your studies? You know, people just think about you're playing basketball. They don't think about all the work you have to do to get everything done, assignments and stuff. How do you do that when you're, um, you know, you're obviously playing so many games too? Yeah, it all comes down to time management. So usually we play Thursdays and Sundays. So I try to get my work done in the beginning of the week. Um, I know when we're at away games and if I need help with an assignment from one of my teachers, like, or from a TA, I'll do office hours while we're away. I'll just do it in the hotel room. This is all about using our time wisely and staying focused. And we're student athletes, so student first. But I do a pretty good job with getting my work done early so I can just focus on the games and stuff. Well, Brad Mike, was a student student athlete for like 14 years at, right. at EIU. Not not just there. I oh, not just colleges. there. Wow, okay. many colleges, many colleges. You, you were, so is that why they call the I transfer had, portal the sturdy portal? They do, and, and oh. it, I I had more COVID years than than most of most of them do now. So I, I had lots of COVID years. Adelia, though, what she what what it really does the time management cuts into her TikTok dancing, and oh. I, I think that's the Ouch. that's the biggest hit, right? Yes, I'm a TikTok queen. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Now, every time I see an athlete do the gritty, I think of Adalia. I'm honest. I'm being honest. I really do. Because she was right there teaching Coach Green. Didn't teach us. Maybe that's maybe that's coming up here this fall in the offseason. She'll she'll teach us. All right, Adalia, we've uh, wasted enough of your time. No, just kidding. As always, uh, we're so proud of you and the team, what you guys are doing. Uh, great job in the classroom. And uh, look forward to uh, uh, talking to you again uh, from Minneapolis. All right, Adalia McKenzie, there she is. We've got much more to come here on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuides.com.
You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Talking some hoops now as we're getting closer to, uh, well, conference tournaments really begin this week in the Ohio Valley and some of the uh, smaller conferences. Um, you know, the, the Power Five coming up here in another week of regular season, then they get into conference tournament time. And then, of course, the NCAA. Uh, tournament selection Sunday is just a couple of weeks away. Hard to believe we are that close. Uh, let's talk some hoops now. Uh, Larry, Brad, and Mike joined by Kedrick Prince again of IlliniGuys.com, the director of recruiting uh, for uh, the Illini guys. Uh, fellas, let's start off with, uh, boy, the story of the week. Uh, Alabama um, making headlines in all the wrong ways. Of course, they had the one player dismissed because of the uh, alleged uh, involvement in a murder. Now there's another player, the star freshman, that there's been some reports that he may have had an involvement somehow, and yet he goes out there the night and has a career night um, after all this news broke. It clearly didn't phase him um, at this point, but uh, but at the same time, it's definitely something that is a bad look, and, and I don't know all the details, and we'll wait until all the details come out. Um, and I think that's – I think Alabama's hoping that none of these details would come out until after he was done with his March run and – had moved on to the NBA draft because uh, he's going to be a, a high draft pick. So, but I, I you know, I, I think it was the, it was handled poorly, regardless of, you know, the statements, things like that, regardless of what happened, it was just handled poorly, whether he's guilty of anything or not based on the law. I, that's not my place to decide, but it was just handled poorly by the university of Alabama, by Nate Oates um, and with his statement and, and so forth. So it's a, it's a, it's a sad situation because someone died here. Yeah, and Coach Oates was the old uh, open mouth insert foot, um, and and it was just it, it probably exacerbated a situation. We presume people are innocent until proven guilty, so let's let's see where it plays out. But boy, when you're trying to um, you know kind of establish a reputation and those things, this is a tough uh, road to hoe for the Alabama basketball team, and. Um, you know, you just you want to make sure that everything gets um, analyzed and they find out what really happened. Um, but, yeah, it, it definitely was a look that a lot of universities uh, would not uh, want to be projecting right now. No, and without a doubt, you guys, I mean, I, I, I agree with you guys. And, you know, and I guess looking at the big picture of this whole situation, it's kind of like the world we live in today. I mean, you know, and you don't want to take anything like this for granted, but it's like every day you pick up the newspaper and you see something happening. And now it's happening to more to, to the athletes from, from college basketball to pro football to Major League Baseball. It's just really, really sad situation. But you're right. I mean, it's a bad look for Alabama, you know, but the biggest thing, like you said, we have to wait until all the facts are in and, you know, and we have to give all the parties a fair shake at the end of the deal. At the end of the day, excuse me. I got I to gotta say one thing. You ever wonder, like, the whole, like, lack of consistency is really tough to stomach, though. One guy sells a pair of shorts, two-game suspension, bring <laughs> a gun to someone to commit a murder, eh, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Or or if you're a, maybe a coach who's 50 years old and gets a DUI. I mean, there's, there's a lot of um, – Yeah. There's a real weird sliding scale. And um, I, I don't know if that's ever going to get any better because the NCAA doesn't has not been able to earn any trust in being able to run the show. I really think we're going to end up with a bunch of conferences kind of running their own little turf. And that's too bad if you really think about it because it's like some of these schools and some of these teams, they 
they can get away with things and, and others can't. And that's really unfortunate because, and they have, the NCAA has a good product. It's a great product. You know, the NCAA tournament is one of the best events of all time. And it's just really and truly sad that this has come to this. Well, speaking of uh, coaches behaving badly, that was once a label worn uh, not so proudly by Rick Pitino when he was at Louisville. Uh, Pitino now has uh, returned to coaching, of course, uh, third season at Iona. And and a little different take, a great article this week by Matt Nor- Norlander of CBS Sports, kind of looking into Pitino's possible future. Now 70s, as he plans to coach several more years, there's no intention of retiring anytime soon. Um, had three schools coming at him, including Maryland, was a team that had some reported interest. Um, but he had a, a pretty healthy buyout of $5 million. And in the story, he says, quote, hey, I, I'm not worth that. Um, but guys, interesting piece in there from Norlander saying that uh, that Patino now went into Iota and said that to reduce that buyout down to zero, which makes it seem as though he's opening himself up to uh, possibly one more run at a, at a power five job to see if he can turn around one more team the way he did uh, with Providence and Kentucky and then Louisville. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious he's done his time at Iona and it's time to move on. And and here's the thing. He's good. I mean, I, I think there was a I, – I would have said when he was at Louisville and, and Kentucky, I think he was the best coach in college basketball at that yeah. time. I mean, you you, you know, and, and he was he was really good at it. And and so I, I would like to I, – I think it would be fun to see him. I think, you know, he but he did limit his options, right? He said, I'm not going here, I'm not going here. There's only a few places I go, so – It'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Obviously, you know, there's, there could be openings at places in the Big East out there, you know, out east, whether it's Georgetown or St. John's or something like that. So uh, might have some options. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I long ago kind of thought he was the best coach in college basketball, not only for his results on the court, but for the coaches that he put out yeah. underneath him. You know, his coaching – tree is is much healthier than coach k's ever could think to be um but you know now he's got an opportunity i think he's he's the big fish in a little tiny mud puddle and uh he's ready to jump out into deep water um but you know i i I hate to say it but i really enjoy coach patino's uh style of of play and uh if he gets onto a bigger stage i'll be one of those people who tune in to see how he does well, I think he's definitely good for college basketball. And seeing him on a bigger stage, I think it's good for the game. You know, you see some of the, the guys that's been around for a long time, like Mike Krzyzewski, who's out of the game. And, you know, it just would be really good to see him back. Um, I don't think it's smart to limit yourself because some of these schools that probably would be interested in him would probably offer him a nice chunk of change. And, you know, but I guess when you've been around, I believe he's 70 years old. Is that what he is now? So. Yeah. You know, the clock's going to be ticking, so he's got to find that perfect job, a job that he doesn't probably have to go in and do a lot of work to turn around either. Well, he's an East Coast guy, so I think some of the schools that Sturdy mentioned, you know, Georgetown, St. John's, uh, those would certainly be right in his his wheelhouse. He's going to not only bring the coaching acumen, uh, he recruits well. As Mike mentioned, he develops talent. I mean, you know, Billy Donovan, two titles, Tubby Smith, a title. Um, Willard is at Maryland now. The guy who got the job is it is it Patino disciple. They're really um, number one in terms of developing uh, other coaches and other talent. There's no question uh, about that. Uh, wherever he goes, not only bring all those things, but also he'll bring attention as well. Um, Patino, uh, you know, recently was cleared by the way of those charges when he was at Louisville. Uh, they caused uh, the NCAA to vacate that vacate that that title back in the that was won back in 2013. The one 
championship that he did win with the Cardinals. Um, but in Louisville, they found a way still to commemorate that. They recently raised a banner just last week when they played Clemson that says final coaches poll number one, uh, not NCAA champions. So, you know, a little, you know, a wink and a nod, right, to the situation. Well, you know, the best part about that, Larry, was they had a stripogram come and deliver it. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that Brad that was actually the fact that Brad was the the stripogram was a little bit off, but hey, well, you know, it was that was all they could get. They don't have the same budget <laughs> they used to. Yeah, yeah don't tell that to don't tell that to the prospective coaches, Brad. They're like, hey, I can't wait to get to loot. What? <laughs> They were going to have, they're going to have to jump out of a cake. But that was just way too messy on the court before the game. So yeah, then we jump out of a pie. Yeah, was, yeah. Also, uh, Louisville uh, turned out to be a half-eaten pie. <laughs> By the time I I was in there a long time, Mike. Guys, <laughs> right, let's get to NCAA tournament talk. Uh, lots of teams on the bubble because boy, it's so competitive this year. Uh, I want to just pick your brains. We've got a couple minutes left here in this segment. Um, give me a bubble team right now that you think is not going to get it done and is going to fail down the stretch and not get, hear their name called on Selection Sunday. Man, I'm I'm going with North Carolina. I just don't think they have it this year. I think they're out. I think they're going to end out. And so that's my that's my uh, prediction there. I'm going to say the Badgers. I'm going to go with the Badgers, and, yeah. and I will, if it happens, I'll enjoy that. I was going to say Wisconsin as well, and I think that's a major blow for the Big Ten because they have been a mainstay in the tournament. They've been the top five or six in the Big Ten, and – they're the team to me that I don't think they're going to make it. And also, the Big Ten is not going to get as many teams as they have traditionally either. It's it's, well, it's going to depend on who wins down the stretch, right? Wisconsin helping themselves a couple of nights ago with that win over Iowa. They really desperately needed that. I'm with Sturdy. North Carolina's won that. Um, boy, I, I, I had to go back and really dig through my notes over the years. It's to think of a team that began preseason number one that fell this this fast. Um, they just haven't gotten it done. And the problem is, in the ACC, you don't have enough quality opponents to get that those quality wins you need to boost you to get up there so you're exactly right okay on the flip side um give me a bubble team that that will do well here in the final couple of weeks and they will hear their name called on selection sunday so i think a team that i really was playing terribly uh for a long time i think they lost at one point um like eight in a row or something like that but they're playing really well and they have some opportunities in front of them and there is texas tech Texas Tech has righted the ship. They've won four in a row, including wins over Kansas State, Texas, and winning at West Virginia and at Oklahoma. So they got TCU. Then they obviously go at Kansas and they get Oklahoma State. They can win two out of three of those. I think they're right there. I think they're a team winning win a game in the Big 12 tournament. And they're playing well. So they're not just a team that that I think could uh, – their team is playing well. And so they have an opportunity to maybe even win a game or two in, in the tournament. Yeah, and I'm going to actually go against the the grain here. I'm going to say North Carolina. I think they I think they could have easily quit against Notre Dame earlier this week, and they turned it around. and And, and this team has proven that they can be an average team that gets hot and and goes quite a ways in the postseason. So I, I'm going to put them as somehow finding a way the last you know week and a half here to to get themselves into a position. Mike, you and I are buddies tonight because that's the team that I was going to – I'm not kidding you. I was going to say North Carolina because for the same reason that Mike just said, but also they have the talent 
to do well in the, the ACC tournament. And they could potentially, you know, win a couple games. And because they're North Carolina, it's going to be easy and justifiable for them to be put in the tournament. I mean, they're above 500, and they do have some decent wins, but they haven't had the year that people thought. But I was definitely going to say North Carolina too, sir. Yeah, they got to – I think with North Carolina, they're going to have to beat Virginia or Duke in one of those two games to have a chance. I mean, and, you know, obviously they got them at home, but – Well, Virginia can be beaten. Well, we know that. Boston College says hi. <laughs> what a whole yeah. mess. But, I mean, but you know, now you're playing Virginia coming off a loss. A hungry yeah. team. Well, you know, if, they, they frustrate you. If North know. Carolina if North Carolina doesn't make it into the tournament, aren't they the first, um, you know, preseason number one team in, like, forever to not make the tournament? I don't um, know. It's been a while. I, I, I feel like it was Kentucky when they made, went greasy NIT back in the – Billy, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe possibly the, the before Cal got there. I'm not sure, but I want to go look it up and maybe I'll have it for the end of the show or next week. Um, you know, but a, a couple of teams, just speaking of Kentucky, it was a week ago, I would say Kentucky, but I think they're no longer off the bubble. By the way, Joe Lenardi, how is a team on the bubble one day and the next day they're an eight seed? You're just moving people around, aren't you? It's kind of what you do. Um, more on Lenardi later. I'm not a big Lenardi fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that here, I guess. I'm just not. I just, I've followed it too many years and and you don't you don't pick a team that's a lock and then they miss the tournament completely and then you and then still you know have the title of guru sorry um love big 12 anytime you've got all of the teams um none are have a net rating of lower than 70 um every win in the tournament's going to be special so that's one here's a team we haven't talked about penn state i think penn state they're they're a tough out uh, they're old they're a veteran team they've proven they can beat anybody in the big 10 and depending on the matchups um, in Chicago, I think Penn State can get a win or two and maybe get themselves over the hump. That's the team that I'll, I'll take. All right, Basketball Roundtable, Kendrick Prince of Illini Guys. Appreciate you joining us. Stay with us. Much more to come after this. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Right back with you on the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy. And Mike Kegley, joined by Matt Stevens. He is the uh, the football writer and analyst for IlliniGuys.com, keeping us uh, in the know with everything. Hey, Matt, uh, let's start with the, the, the ticket announcement a couple of days ago by, by Josh Whitman. What's going on? Well, what's going on is I think Illinois is the first Power 5 conference football program in America that's ever won eight games, gone to a January Bowl game, and then decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to lower ticket prices. Um, <laughs> I... I it, it's got to be an unprecedented move, but I think it's a move that that after talking with Josh Whitman a little bit about after the press conference on Wednesday night um, before the women's game in, in State Farm Center, and I got to talk with Cassie Arner about it, Associate AD, who's basically kind of tried to maneuver this for, for Josh throughout the entire process. I think it makes sense. Um, it'll be interesting to see what this does in terms of you know the number of season tickets that they have and the number of season tickets that they can retain um, after this year, what it does to the attendance numbers, especially those early season games um, coming like, like in, in September. Um, but they've got Toledo coming in. I think they've got Penn State coming in. I wonder what it'll do for those. Um, and I, I, I think it, I think what Illinois got to do early on in this, this season is, and Whitman, I asked Whitman about it, was 
I don't know if you, if you go on our boards and I, I'm, I'm going to applaud the people on our boards um, for this, but I don't think that they were that upset about the price point. I think they were upset about the experience of the entire ordeal on Saturday, getting in the stadium, having their ticket be on their phone um, with the Wi-Fi being what it is right now at Memorial Stadium. That can be a problem. So there's technological issues and just logistics issues that they've got to figure out at Memorial Stadium that I think that are bigger issues than the price point. But I think Illinois is doing everything they can to try to make Brett Bielema's, um, you know, I guess bounce back or or rejuvenation season after this eight win season in a January one bowl game, be in front of fifty thousand people as, as they're trying to as much as hard as possible to do that. And I, I don't think the uh, the head coach has any qualms about the administration trying their hardest to get as many people as they can to pack that place. Matt, so you obviously getting fans in the stands is, is a, a huge part of this. Um, but Rebelum also sees some, uh, some changes possibly, right? Some, some rules that maybe might make it look a little different when you get to Memorial stadium in the fall. So the competition committee has put this out there. I don't know if it'll get all the way through before we kick it off in 2023, but it'll be interesting to see if it does. What's interesting to me is that about a decade ago, there was a head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks who came to Destin, Florida for SEC spring meetings and talked about rule changes that were going to have to happen with college football on a safety basis because of all the plays that are being run. We got 90 play football games. Um, the more plays you run, the more risk you have to injury. Um, and he was putting this out there. And the coach I covered, one Gus Malzahn at Auburn, thought this this was ridiculous, that, you know, somebody thought going fast and, you know, doing a lot more plays was not a safety issue. Now 2023 and Brett Bielen was back in college football. And guess what? We're putting exactly what he put on the table in Dustin, Florida, you know, to, uh, you know, it's coming out of the competition committee at this point. And I almost wonder if Brett Bielema reads this and goes, you know, I've been talking about this for a decade. I don't know how it took you guys so long to do, but yeah. Uh, just a summary of, of stuff that you might see is that, you know, incomplete passes after first after, on a first down after they spot the ball, Fox going to run again. Um, and I really think what, and I know that Cagby has been talking about this for a long time, um, just from a television production product sense we got four and a half hour football games now that are happening and the tv networks do not want that they want an 11 o'clock game to end at, at two they want the primetime game at seven to end before midnight um you know on on the east coast and so they uh you know you're, you're gonna see a lot of instances in these rule changes where they're just trying to start the clock a lot faster it, it the best con the best comparison I can give for you, Sturdy, is that it it's kind of the rule changes you're trying to see in baseball where, you know, there if there's dead periods in a football game, let's move the clock and get the game moving. Um, and I think you're gonna see that. I think you're gonna see less plays. I think you're gonna see less injuries. You're gonna see less uh, let's just say, you know, I'll just say it, faking injuries, um, to stop play. I think you're gonna see uh, you know, less you know, less, you know, I think you're going to see offenses and defenses change because of these rule changes, because you're not going to have to have to go tempo so much because, you know, the clock's going to, going to dictate what you do and you can play normal football and still have, you know, 
still be successful because we're going to run 50 plays no matter what kind of speed and tempo we do that with. The clock's going to dictate it. So I think these are things that Brett Bielema has been talking about for, for 10 years, and I think he's been preparing for it. And I think I think when they get implemented here in college football, he's going to be fully, fully aware of, of how to how to you know manipulate a football game based off of these rules. Now he can finally pass and and take the clock down. Um, but you know the <laughs> the interesting the interesting thing I have. And I'm going to throw this one right at Larry. But when you want to you want to speed a game up a little bit. Nobody said anything about hey, could we cut 30 seconds out of the commercial breaks? Because I swear, some of these commercial breaks, I literally have had to shave between commercial breaks because they are so long. That I, I'm like, I've got some stubbly beard growth here. Larry? <laughs> Sorry. I'm imagining Mike leaving and <laughs> cutting the uh, with an industrial razor, trying to get to get those. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, that's not happening. I mean, not right, with, exactly. Yeah, it's, that's not going to happen. But, you know, but I think at the same time, and, and Matt, I, I want to take Matt's question, kind of Mike's question, get it to you, Matt. Uh, and mm-hmm. we got about a minute left here. Um, I think part of this, too, is to make the game more exciting in the stands. In, in-person attendance in stadiums has been down and dwindling over the last 20, 25, 30 years. Um, don't you think it's all, also this is part of this and making it a better experience for fans to get more people? I mean, Illinois not, isn't the only problem, only team having issues with getting, I mean, you know, the Ohio States, the Nebraskas, the Michigans, they're always going to pack the house. But most schools are having an issue with this. Well, Nick Saban's been talking about the last two years about having like empty student sections by the third quarter. It's not because they're up by 50 points. It's because the game isn't as exciting as it once was because of the downtime and because of the, you know, stoppages of play and because of, you know, what are we, what are we supposed to be looking at? Yeah. I think this all goes back to a, let's put a better TV product on the field and B let's put a better entertainment product on the field for the 50 to a hundred thousand people you're going to see in, in the stadium. And one of the ways you do that guys is that you, you compact it and you make it a shorter product. The NFL has figured this out. If the NFL has figured out how to put together a football game in a television window and have it get done in that time, college football can figure it out too. And I think that that's part of it. I also think there, I think there is a safety component to this guys. I really do for the players on the field. I really think, I mean, look, logically to me, it just makes sense. If you have less plays, that means less chance of a player getting hurt. And I think, they're finally saying the quiet thing out loud, which is this is a violent game played by violent people. And we are we understand that this is a this is not a safe, safe sport to play. Yeah. And so the amount of things that we can do to limit the amount of injuries that we can have in this violent sport, we probably have to do it. And I think that that's why you're going to see it. Yeah. And, uh, and one more thing from the entertainment side, the most boring NFL game to watch in person is the Super Bowl. Because those commercial breaks are long, and when you're in when you're in house, it's great. You're at the Super Bowl, awesome, and then you're like, boy, I mean, you're trying to find things to do until the game starts again. It is, uh, and you're looking for a guy in a little red hat, so you can know that play's gonna start again. So, at least hey, Matt, the halftime all- show is really short, Larry. That's good. <laughs> well, I've never, never had that pleasure, boss. So, anytime you want to send me, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to like put that to a vote. We'll work on that, but at least at least during halftime shows, there's movement. Even even moving the stage onto the field, there's movement. But during those massive four minute commercial breaks in the middle of the third quarter, there isn't. So it's terrible. All right, we got to run. Matt Stevens, Atlanta guys, appreciate you. Always great stuff on the front page of AtlantaGuys.com, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
Have a good one, guys. Appreciate it. I appreciate that. Stay with us here. We are the Illini Guys. This is the Sports Spectacular all along the Illini Guys radio network. Keep it here. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at OSF oncall.org slash urgent care. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Well, a few more minutes left in the show here. How about Tiger Woods? Um, you know, this guy, every time you think he's done, he, he comes back, didn't win last week. Uh, but hey, he finished all four rounds walking, and, and that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it was really impressive. I, I think the most impressive thing for me was watching his out him out drive some of these guys, uh, like yeah. you know Justin Thomas and 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 things. There was a there was a hole. He was actually out drove Rory, who was one of the best drivers of golf ball. So Tiger's ball speed was up, especially early in the week. I, I think he's still going to build up that stamina. But it's fun to see him back out there. And I, I don't know if he'll ever win again, but man, it, it just changes the game when he's in the field. It would it would be great to see one weekend where you get to see the old Tiger, you know, just like Nicholas, you know, at 46 or whatever when he won his major, uh, his last major. That would be awesome to see uh, Tiger come back for just one weekend. I'm not asking for much. Yeah, I agree. Another comeback of, of different sorts after two years uh, for, away from the NBA. Myers Leonard, the former Illini a lottery pick from University of Illinois, um, signed with the Milwaukee Bucks, a 10-day deal. And anyone who... Doesn't recall what happened. Myers, a, a veteran, seven-one uh, stretch five. I mean, really was, was really improved. I think he hit one three-pointer in his uh, two years at Illinois, but it become really a, a three-point threat uh, with the Portland Trailblazers and later with Miami. Um, uttered a uh, a racist slur during an online video game. Um, and here's the thing about Myers. I think you guys will agree with this. Here, we we all have have talked with Myers, interviewed Myers on different occasions, uh, met various members of his family. Um, as our roles in the media. And um, I thought it was more of a dumb thing. He just said a word he didn't know. And it turns out that's the case. But here's the thing, regardless of what you think, yay or nay on that, he took responsibility. He went out and, and educated himself, went into the Jewish community and learned more about uh, their faith and their and their uh, their heritage and, and, and culture, if you will, and came out on the other end a better person. There's no question. I've known Myers since he was 15 years old. So I've known him for a long time. And I'm going to tell you, He's a, he's not he's a great kid, great guy. Um, and I I look at this situation. If everybody would come out of a situation when they made a mistake and learn and grow from it like Myers did, the world be a much better place. Yeah. Well, especially compared to Kyrie, who issues a half-hearted apology, tweets out an apology, then deletes the apology, but says he believes in the apology. He stands by it, even though he deleted it. 
Um, you know, it just goes to show you that, that, you know, in professional sports, when you have tickets that you can sell, um, you have a lot wider gap for behavior than somebody who doesn't uh, move the needle from a, a standpoint of getting people in the games or tuning on their TVs. That's why we'd like to talk to you after the show, Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's why I have to be so dead. That's why I don't drink much. <laughs> <laughs> that person walking uh, through the window there uh, in the orange room over there. Yeah, she's our new HR person. She wants to talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. She's tired. That's right. <laughs> no, I, I think the things that the the sequence of events with Myers uh, being traded for the Miami Heat to Oklahoma City and then being cut, um, all those things um, happened. And and listen, deservedly so. And to your point, it's interesting to see the difference when you've got a superstar. Um, high paid former first round, the number one overall player like Kyrie, how that situation played out compared to Myers and kudos to the Milwaukee Bucks and, uh, and Mike Budenholzer. Um, I've known him for several years as well and clearly see something in Myers helping with his team with some injuries, um, trying to keep guys healthy down the stretch and giving him a chance. And so we'll see what happens uh, with Myers. Uh, another phenomena, if you will, uh, in the news right now, Cocaine bear. As you know, I spent some time in the bluegrass, and, uh, and so it's been all the rage because that's all. I, about. I, th- I thought he was going to say I spent some time doing cocaine. I did not know. I did not know where Larry was going over that one. You know, cocaine bear. You know, I spent some time. What? What? Doing cocaine with bears back in the woods. <laughs> you know, if I spent, if, I spent if some bear, time as a bear, I mean, a bear <laughs> if a bear does cocaine in the woods, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if I'm with him. <laughs> But you know, you wouldn't know unless I said it. Said right. so. uh, and so Corcane Bear, of course, has some ties to Kentucky, to the bluegrass. Uh, what do you guys think about? That? I think this is a movie that I don't know. I think we would agree. Probably not very good, but everyone's going to go see it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I almost have to. It's a, it's like the car crash or you have to go watch it. I mean, you have to see it because it's like it's so bad. And and I kind of want to see what they do because, you know, I don't know. It's just such a strange phenomena it reminds me of snakes on a plane <laughs> but i did i did fight down the urge. i was interested in snakes in a plane and i managed not to see it which is a, one of those rare moments in my life oh, yeah. um but my my sons have basically said they've told me they go this is so stupid you're going to see it and we will not go with you <laughs> how bad it and, now you know it's based on a true story yeah it, it really sure. is now, here's the thing. If you, Mike, if you really, really, really want to get into this, you actually can see the cocaine bear himself or his taxidermy is going to be at a theater in the lobby of a theater just outside of Lexington, Kentucky, uh, for the premiere of this. They're actually bringing him in for a few days. You can actually see the actual real cocaine bear, his taxidermy, that is, and take pictures with him, et cetera. Why, why am I getting the, the feeling, Brad, that Larry. Uh, his story, his human interest story that he did this week has something to do with a bear and he was there filming it. (laughs) He did. Now, for this week, we're going to meet Cocaine Bear. (laughs) This is Larry Smith. That's right. And I did not know this bear and I, uh, it is only alleged that I was in the woods doing cocaine with him. Yeah, so and you weren't there in the woods. You have no idea if (laughs) I was even in the woods. You have no idea. Hey, the bear and I go way back. That's that's right. <laughs> if I could close out on a on a very different note uh, with everybody laughing, um, and you guys know that I've talked to this woman for quite a while. I did a story this week 
about a woman who's responsible for more than 750 prison inmates getting baptized. And, and I've, I've, as you guys know, my media career goes back 35 years. One of the coolest stories I've done. I mean, it was, it was so powerful and, uh, and just to see the look in these guys' eyes was really cool. So uh, there you go. Go out and hug somebody, do something good on your way to see cocaine bear. Don't hug the bear. Don't hug the bear. Because- I think we're gonna have to start wearing seat belts here, Brad, for the the, the, the directional turns, Larry. Yeah. Whoa, whoa! Cocaine bear baptism. Windshield. Brad's <laughs> Brad and Mike's head into the windshield. <laughs> and now we have to fly to Lexington to see Cocaine Bear and the taxidermy Cocaine Bear. And the sad thing is, we will probably meet there. Yes, <laughs> very possible. I will not. You know, I don't do many movies. I won't be doing this one. I'll just listen for your reports on Cocaine Bear. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, keeping you on your toes. Um, and gee, look at that. Just like that, we're out of time. Uh, another two weeks, <laughs> two hours has gone by this week. It has been, uh, again, as always, so much fun. And you never really know on this show what we're going to talk about, which is why you need to tune in. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. Getting closer to Selection Sunday. We can't wait because uh, we're big Hoop fans. And um, these guys, big movie fans as well. For Brad and Mike, I'm Larry. We appreciate your time. We'll see you next week. Does anybody think we know what we're talking about before we get here? <laughs> ILL. This I-L-L. has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.